0: All I thought of when we saw this was, like, dude, this is pretty dang close to what we did for our movie script.
1: I was really excited to essentially get into some of the origin story that we have not gotten for 39 episodes. Any other cartoon that would have been totally ridiculous, but
0: it's a normal day for Rack. Exactly. Maskcast. Computer, scan files. Select mask agents best suited for this mission. Jason Gross, radio broadcaster, retro gamer, blogger, mask movie co-writer. Vehicle code name Six Thousand. 80s Guru Skills Critical, Wyatt Bloom, Broadcast Technician, DJ, Critic, Mask Movie Co-Writer, Vehicle Codename, Phoenix, 80s Analysis, vital. Personnel approved. Assemble Mobile Armored Strike Command. Hello
1: agents and welcome to MaskCast Cast 52 featuring another episode review of the Mask Animated Series. Tonight we will dissect episode 39, Green Nightmare, which will include our usual play-by-play commentary and also audio clips mixed in from the actual episode. At the dramatic midpoint of the episode and at the conclusion, we'll give you our thoughts and rating using our 1-5 to scale system. We'll also hear listener reviews and comments along with the results from our episode poll. If you'd like to voice your opinion prior to each podcast, visit our website, agentsofmask.com, or comment during our live Google Hangout recording session. The Green Nightmare was first broadcast on November 21st, 1985 in the United States and involved Venom sabotaging Matt Tracker's private jet among the jungles of New Guinea to steal a valuable crystal. The rest of the Mask team must work together to help defeat Venom and a tribe of natives to rescue a stranded Matt, Scott, and T-Bob. This is Jason, one of your MaskCast cast hosts, along with my longtime friend and fellow Agents of Mask admin, the Pete Thornton to my Angus MacGyver.
0: It? Do you MacGyver! still it? Carry... we still... got to get there! You're the only one that can do it!
1: Do you still carry around your Swiss Army knife?
0: I don't carry on around a Swiss Army knife. However, for... Well, ever since high school, and you know this, I've carried Leatherman of some sort. So, yes. um, I am always carrying this thing, and uh, if you asked me the question... What is the most important thing I cannot leave or panic about? In that's my Leatherman. <laughs> I cannot leave. And it cuts me to the quick because in my blues, my nicer blues uniform for the Air Force, I could only have one item on my belt. And unfortunately, the Leatherman is not an approved accessory. But a cell phone is. So I have to deal with it. <laughs>
1: Well, did you hear the news today? I had heard some rumblings before, and actually, a couple, several months ago, I put up on Rediscover the 80s that they were actually looking for some writers for MacGyver to start it up again. And just today, this morning, they announced officially that CBS is going to reboot it.
0: I saw that today, and I meant to throw it up on my... uh infamous wb twitter account uh but i got uh, unfortunately distracted but yes i did see it and i was really uh i'm kind of anxious to see what they do with it because i know at the end of macgyver it was his son his a strange son that kind of started up and then they wrote off and that was how macgyver concluded so i don't know if they're going to take it to that next chapter where it's supposed to be his son which is now like 30 years ago. <laughs> so the guy's going to be like 50. Yeah. Um, well, they,
1: I was reading a little bit on it today, and I didn't—I hadn't realized that they uh, developed a quote-unquote Young MacGyver series that never, I don't think it ever aired. Um,
0: no, it was in the works, and it got canned because there was not enough
1: yeah. It was I it, that no. I read. it was
0: not enough draw or not enough I think it was that there was not enough audience to even start it, which was hilarious because they didn't even start it. So how do you know <laughs> that you don't have an audience?
1: <laughs> right, so. right. Well, and then the other twist was that site that they set up to about uh, to bring in some writers was that they wanted to uh, make it a girl, a woman, instead of a man for the lead character. So I thought that was interesting that they would uh, do that Ghostbusters spin. Right. Right. (laughs) Essentially uh, with the reboot, not that there's anything wrong with that. Um, You know, we'll see, I guess what happens. Uh, I did see that there's some ties to one of the fast and furious producers or writers or something. And which, uh, you know, they just announced that they're attempting to reboot the A Team as well with one of those guys from yeah. Fast and Furious. So uh, I guess they're in uh, high demand.
0: <laughs> you know, this makes me wonder. We need to become actors and get rich and famous <laughs> so that we can make our own movies. Because this is what it looks like they're doing. They're gonna They're they got the Fast and Furious Seven now. What's his name? Um, uh, I'm not. I'm not thinking of. Um, the guy that was interested in a mask, I'm thinking of um, oh, what's his name, Vin Diesel. Oh, um, but anyway, they're just—it's—it's it's like they—they're using that money to fund what they really want to do, or at least it's something that they think they can monetize on, which like mask or um, yeah. some other A-team uh, and such. So,
1: yeah, it'd be interesting. I mean, I'd obviously think that uh, those guys might be fun to be involved with the mask live action movie uh, for obvious reasons. So yeah. I don't know. We'll see. We'll see how this MacGyver plays out and the A-team and, you know, uh,
0: it's, I think it's, I'll try it's to a invite, matter
1: of time. It's got to be.
0: <laughs> right. I, I'm, I'm hoping that they will get a cameo out of Richard Dean Anderson, uh, something yeah. like it's grandpa, uh, like they did with, um, well, even on his show MacGyver, they did, uh, his his granddad. He always called him by his first name. Um, gotcha. So I'm wondering if they'll do that kind of spin with it.
1: I I would imagine at least in the pilot, they'll give him a cameo appearance right. or something, you know.
0: I'm look I'm looking keep looking at my left, so you and it's because we're we happen to be coincidentally talking about this. I'm I have my MacGyver set right beside me. I whenever I'm doing my bills indicated last mass cast that I watched this kind of as a as background fodder
1: yeah MacGyver man I downloaded the MacGyver deadly descent app which was actually pretty fun a lot of uh, puzzle solving and you have to move these little laser beams to the right spot to get to the next level and they have like little color coded puzzles and stuff. Uh, if you guys have not checked that out, I would recommend it. It was uh, pretty fun. Nothing really to do essentially with MacGyver other than some cool comic book like artwork that they used at the beginning. But uh, it was a fun that app. Itself. Well, let's put MacGyver back in the uh, annals of television history and uh, let's move on and get our mask on.
0: Get your mask uh, on.
1: Well, of course, you know, we had our recent mask day. That was uh, really fun. We uh, posted several articles to the site. I did a top 30 uh, mask toy, uh, several uh, articles on that. Uh, Wyatt put together a top 10 of uh, his favorite toys, essentially from his childhood.
0: Uh, More or less some, really a Christmas wish list. Yeah,
1: right. We got some great response to that. And if you haven't been uh, keeping up with uh Retrocon and, and everything that went on there, we did post the video to our YouTube channel, basically showing the mask panel. The audio isn't that great, but um I think Bill's actually over on Matt com's uh YouTube channel was actually a little bit better audio. I agree. Check out those, uh, last about 45 minutes, but, uh, it's really fun. And to hear, uh, Doug essentially talk about his career and, and, uh, he actually did some, some of the voices and it was fun. It was yeah. really fun. I mentioned yesterday and I even posted a picture Uh, that I put the uh, mask intro video up on my rediscover the eighties Facebook page and it just blew up. I mean, I can literally say it went viral because it's close to almost a million people that it's reached on Facebook, which I would essentially call viral. Uh, When last I checked, uh, it had been shared uh, over a thousand times and several comments, and, I mean, it was just insane. It went viral. Yeah, it was just insane. I would never, uh, anything like that uh, happened to me, uh, just working through Facebook and such, and it just goes to prove, essentially, that mask is still something people remember, and Worthy enough for people to, you know, share and share and share and share down the line. You remember this? Remember this? I used, you know, I I saw so many posts about that. I'm looking at the stats now. The video was like 1,700 times, had over 425 comments. And then it has reached essentially 979,000 people. Wow. And viewed 250,000 times. So, I mean, that's just... For a Facebook page that had, I think I had about 16,000 likes and to, you know, go and go and go and go. I mean, that was amazing. Yeah. So uh, I I essentially just attribute that. I mean, it was, I did say that today's the 30th anniversary. So I think that essentially helped it it as well other than just, hey, do you remember this? But um, that was really cool. That yeah. uh, that kind of blew up like that over there, and we got some likes over on our page thanks to that and 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 such. So we'll keep Mask going as best we can. And well,
0: it's all it's it's evidence that Mask it has not died yet, and and right, and it's uh, just a phenomenal what the response that you did get from that, especially on Rediscover the Eighties. I mean, we we've plugged themes every now and then. Uh, not just for the thirtieth, but just for fun and right. Uh, you do have a you have a more broader audience, and to to see that, just incredible.
1: It was very cool, and you know, there's people that tweet us all the time to our to agents of mask. You know, when is the movie coming out? And We're like, yeah, I'm, we're waiting. That's it. You know, I, I essentially believe it could be any time now that. We get some more rumors floating around or whatever, uh, even about a new series. So we, we shall see. About,
0: or maybe about our movie.
1: Right. Well, uh, do you got anything else for getting your mask on?
0: Uh, minor things, but something I want to plug. Um, I, I want, especially since this is the 30th anniversary and we've talked about it on our, on our chat last time, go through our posts. I highlighted a few names. But just because we have an audience and there's such a love for masks, there's a dude that's been making custom masks out of foam rubber. And they are just, honestly, they're exquisite. The way that they look, they're awesome. Um, Very cool. And I apologize. I don't have your name up. So I apologize. I'm not calling it. But go to our blog. I posted like a after the 30th type blog just to rekindle it. But that's awesome. There's those Lego creations that are out there. Custom Lego creations of Thunderhawk and a few others. I, I want to plug them. You probably have to go scroll through our past posts on Facebook and maybe on on the blog. But it just it just fuels the fire that that mask will not die. Doesn't plan to die. We're not going to let it die. Yeah. And because of this seemingly propulsion that we're giving it, and uh, not just us, but the the, the loyal foundation people. Such as bill and, and Eric Albert, you know it's exploding now, and it's awesome to see this huge huge fandom just exploding on the scene yeah I, I just uh, I guess I wanted to comment on that to to give these guys a look you know these guys are putting a lot of hours on t- their projects, no matter what it is even the even the the paper cutouts that you did i mean that's that's impressive to be to come up with those things yeah for us to just Put a little piece of paper figure on, the, on, the, on our desk.:
1: Yeah, I mean, and that's why I continue to scour the internet for stuff like that because I know people are active in producing their own little mask creations and such. Uh, deviantart.com has been an awesome tool to see you know some fan art creations. That's where I found those paper craft figures. so mm-hmm. yeah, still going strong. So well, that's about all I have for. Get your mask on. Just uh, you know, like you said, Wyatt, go back through our uh, our feed recently if you haven't, and uh, and check out some of the the content we've posted. If you haven't signed up for our newsletter yet, go ahead and do that. You just go over to agentsofmask.com dot com slash join, and you can essentially become an official agent. <laughs> by uh, signing up for our newsletter and we just sent one out here I think it was right before Mask Day that um, highlighted our contest and we had our link to our uh, hangout for that day and and things of that nature so a lot of information goes into those, not just from us but we try to essentially grasp the mask community as a whole right, and uh, try to direct you to other sites as well so Go ahead and sign up for that if you haven't. But let's, uh, let's get back to the task at hand. And are you uh, ready to go to New Guinea?
0: I am ready to start the, the last cast. Cast. With great flashes and loud crashes, we immediately come upon a thunderstorm uh, above a straw hut almost thought this was going to turn into like a, a, what is it called, a, a puff and puff, I'm going to blow your house down type of scene. <laughs> anyway, inside, we see a group of Aborigines dancing and chanting with a wall of fire in the background. We then look upon a large statue with one jeweled eye glistening. We then see a high priest or leader stand up and he presents a box to which the datas bow in reverence. We end up getting some clarity with the wall of fire actually being a large torch, much like the, what we see as a larger, like at the Olympic mm-hmm. Games, a huge one. Right. Uh, the leader or high priest now faces the large statue and says, Behold,
1: the planets move to their places. The
0: prophecy shall be fulfilled. Next, he grabs a photo from within the box and places it in a tray and bows to it. The photo has a blue native with an explorer, we don't know exactly who it is, any chance to return their star of life. Back at the tracker mansion, we see Alex performing an experiment with Matt, Scott, and T-Bob looking on, uh, actually over at a keyboard, with the computer spitting out the results saying, Synthetic crystal exactly matches structure and capabilities of original mass crystal. At last, a perfect crystal. You know what this means? Ah, here's where I'm like, we didn't see this episode. Jason and I did not see this episode. But all I thought of when we saw this was like, dude, this is pretty dang close to what we did for our movie script.
1: Yes. Yeah. I did note that later. But yeah, I was really excited to essentially get into some of the origin story that we have not gotten for 39
0: episodes. Uh, Well, you can't complain too much. As much as I like the origin stories, Dukes of Hazzard was the same way. We didn't learn how the Dukes got to General Lee until, yeah. like, season five. So, well, you know, whatever.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, flashbacks yeah. work. I mean, I just – I hated that it's been 39 episodes that we're exactly. covering here, and we haven't gotten any clues as to how the whole thing started. So. Right.
0: Uh, Alex Gleefleep says a perfect crystal. You know what this means. T-Bob wonders if he's getting into the chandelier biz with Scott chuckling. Matt explains that the original crystal was the power amplifier, basically, to power the the masks. They finally copied it because of a promise Scott's grandfather made with a bargain uh, with the New Guinea Mudmen. This is the journal my father kept describing his encounter with the New Guinea Mudmen. Mudmen? What are they? Yeah. Give us the dirt. Looking at a photo, Scott says that the masks are ugly, with T Bob joking that for Halloween they dress up in suits and ties. <laughs> uh-huh.
1: <laughs> yeah, T Bob, he kinda got on my nerves this episode with the with the jokes. But uh we get into this now where Matt he's showing the uh the picture of this tribesman called Orago with his dad and he goes into explain how they saved each other's lives and we get this flashback now 30 years prior and the small plane is shown in this terrible storm matt narrates that his father was caught in a typhoon over new guinea and the plane crashed he is shown like trapped inside this plane with the gas tank uh ready to explode Orago came to his rescue, and he pries open the door of the cockpit. Uh, as they are walking away from the plane, the explosion, this explosion sends debris flying kind of in their direction, and it
0: badly injures Urago. My father was safe, but Urago was seriously injured. He carried Urago through the jungle for days.
1: Matt goes on to explain they sought shelter inside this cave. Matt's father nursed him back to health and essentially back to his tribe. And as a thank you, Rago gave him this uh, crystal, which was his tribe's most prized possession. Then this promise was made to return the crystal once its powers were utilized for good. So we're coming out of the flashback now. And Matt then asked Scott if he wants to go on a trip to New Guinea.
0: Do I? Why? We're
1: going to explore a real jungle. Mm -hmm. I get
0: nervous when I see a crocodile in the dictionary.
1: (laughs) 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 Ha ha ha. I thought maybe he should be saying encyclopedia there, not the dictionary. True. So we cut right to Matt's private jet now in the air, and they land at this airport with Matt stating that they'll take off again in about an hour after they refuel. Uh, At the customs desk, this agent asks if they want to declare anything. Of course, T-Bob jokes that he wants to go home. Uh, (laughs) Matt hands over his papers.
0: Ah, Mr. Tracker, my pleasure. The prime minister's office alerted us you'd be arriving. I understand you're bringing in an extremely rare gemstone. You might say it's one of a kind. I'll expedite your documents personally. Be right back.
1: Well... (laughs) <laughs> Expediting his documents means uh, uh, some little venom activity here shortly. But waiting at the counter, uh, Scott tries to reassure T-Bob about the jungle. And then we see this ant or bug uh, crawl into T-Bob's, like, hip joint. And he starts to giggle and asks Scott why he tickled him.
0: I didn't tickle you. <laughs> you didn't. <laughs> I guess it's an inside joke. <laughs>
1: Rolling my eyes here, of course.
0: I'm rolling my eyes here too because last episode we, he was sneezing. Now he's ticklish. Yeah. So it's just
1: it's it's one human trait after the other in this episode now, and we've talked about that before, but
0: on more yeah. than ten occasions. <laughs> yeah. I,
1: I, let me just say it got old in this episode. But anyway, we get back with this uh, this airport agent, and he knocks on this door as we hear one of the venom themes
0: what did you find out he's got a gem all right the agent confirms that it is a gem and then Rax shoves the guy into a wall and says we know that he wants to know exactly what kind of gem the agent didn't want to bring any suspicion upon himself the agent's uh, has the guts to ask for his money, while Rax replies that he'll get his money when he keeps his mouth shut. <laughs>
1: <laughs> now, this is good. I I really like the this kind of intimidation factor yeah. here from Rax. I like this scene.
0: Oh, yeah. Uh, he quickly grabs his walkie-talkie and instructs Vanessa to get going. Outside Matt's plane, we see Vanessa planting an override device, and she radios the confirmation with mayhem Waiting in the jungle with Switchblade instructing her to
1: Wait until they take off, then follow from a distance in Manta. Uh,
0: back in the air, Scott is chatting with T-Bob about their upcoming jungle adventure. T-Bob jumps, and we briefly see the insect pop out. Uh, it wiggles its antennae and uh, then crawls right back in with T-Bob saying, oh, I hurt you. It didn't have to pinch me. I didn't pinch you. You did You sure are jumpy lately. He states that nothing terrible will happen as we hear the sound of the jet engines vary, then bank sharply and end up knocking the duo off the couch.
1: See, Scott's a <laughs> – he's the bug in the plane, like a yeah. – uh, <laughs> very unlucky, you know, to be around. Right. <laughs> as soon as he says something, well, yeah, right, something's going to happen, you know.
0: That's it. <laughs> Maddox claims that the steering control is out with Manta following nearby. Keep on their tail. There's a fortune riding on this and I don't want any mistakes.
1: You heard of no mistakes.
0: (laughs) Vanessa replies that she's sitting next to the world's biggest mistake. I love (laughs) that one.
1: That was funny. I laughed out loud at that one. That was a good line.
0: Yeah, so far I, I, I really like Rax. Like you said, I like how Rax has really been it seems like he's trying to st- kind of step up to be the, 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 the bad guy. Yeah.
1: The miles second in command or whatever. Yeah. But he stands up to miles too. So.
0: Oh, well, he does. Yeah. Until he's confronted face to face.
1: Right, right, right. <laughs> well, back inside the jet, uh, Vanessa radios to Matt now stating, welcome to venom airlines. I hope you're not enjoying your flight. Venom. Please observe that no escape Sun. You will be crash landing shortly. <laughs> Scott pleads with Matt now that there's got to be something they can do. Well Matt says they locked into the automatic pilot and tell Scott to go to the breaker panel and disconnect it. So how would he how would he know where that is? I don't, you know this kind of got to me.
0: <laughs> he well,
1: goes I- to, he goes to telling you know this kid Go back to the breaker panel in the jet and pull this wire. You know, I don't know.
0: I'll pull the red wire. You pull the green one. Be real careful.
1: T-Bob looks like he just grabs a bunch of wires and yanks on them. Exactly. Uh, <laughs> Matt says it did it. It apparently worked, and they're back on manual controls. Scott and T-Bob now celebrate a little bit, but the uh, bug again appears from T-Bob causing him to jump and act erratically again and he trips over more wires disconnecting a whole bunch more i was like oh jeez
0: well that's what so. got me you know as and i i'm sure it's just just to add to the drama of the episode but they go into this control room this like it's basically a power closet in the plane and like you said that it's amazing that scott even knows how to do this and then you see on the cartoon, uh, all the cables strewn about—it's like it was already patched up anyway. It wasn't professionally rerouted or routed uh, uh, and cable tied, you know, all looking nicely and neatly behind the racks. Right. So it just it just made me wonder, you know, I guess because I'm a technician and I'm told <laughs> I have to make the cables look neat. Here they are in this expensive aircraft that Matt privately owned, and he bought kind of the low-end bargain deal.
1: Right, right. It's not. <laughs> it's not necessarily the uh, the Concorde, you know.
0: No, it's a Conquette. <laughs> like like the uh, uh, Chevette to the Corvette.
1: There you go. Yes, very nice.
0: So in Manta, we hear Rax's instruction to Vanessa to use her power dive and hit the engine. Vanessa flips a button, which flips Rax back into the back seat. Yes. Well, she says, If you want to
1: be a backseat driver, be my guest. It's
0: hilarious.
1: That was great.
0: Flying through a narrow canyon, Rax is now back in the passenger seat and argues that he wants to fly. <laughs> While Vanessa yanks the controls, which ends up breaking off their left wing, Vanessa radios to mayhem that Manta's out and she'll meet them uh, at the airfield. I actually liked that scene. It was kind of hilarious. That yeah. Rax wanted to be in control.
1: Yep, grabbing and- the wheel and... They're like kind of wrestling back and forth and I could totally see that happening. Oh yeah. You know. (laughs) Just their personalities that we've learned up to this point. Uh, He would totally try to do that. And of course they she has to take over his bike later in the episode. Right. So
0: So exiting the canyon we see Matt is spooked at the impending hilltop. sliding along the surface of the earth, and then they end up stopping at the edge of a cliff. Matt opens the door and says at least they're on solid ground, but he's not thrilled about the welcoming committee. Maybe they're more scared of us uh, than we are of them. Nope, uh, I'm more scared of them. Quick, inside! So what I noticed about this little scene really is, you know, as prepared as Matt usually is, and typically if he's going somewhere, what is he flying in? It's not his private jet. It's freaking Thunderhawk. So I was already perplexed at this whole scenario. I'm sure it added to the drama, but uh, try to follow my train of thought. But he ends up also forgetting something else. His mask. So he could have used Spectrum something and what saved himself, but he doesn't. So it just kind of perplexed me that he, he's really not properly equipped for this mission and he's the freaking leader.
1: Well, the one thing that I noticed, which kind of threw me off for a second was uh, when they showed him actually flying the plane, I was like, Oh yeah, he's a pilot. He has Thunderhawk. I I didn't, (laughs) it just looked weird to me seeing him flying kind of in his street clothes, you know, no mask or whatever. Uh, it just kind of took me out of the episode for a minute. I was like, I totally forgot that he flies Thunderhawk. Um, I don't know. I mean, it could be he thought this was just going to be a drop in and you know catch up with uh, Oragu and and head out of there. Um, I, I'm kind of along your lines where he would have thought he would have brought a little bit of something in case the uh, natives were restless, so to speak, you know, but yeah, I mean, it, this is weird for him to be kind of ill prepared for what happened, even though it was a, he wasn't expecting the plane to crash. you
0: know. <laughs> right. Uh, and, you know, I, I guess I'm just borrowing on all the, all that we've seen in the past. No matter where he's been, even when he was on that yacht, he had Thunderhawk somewhere parked nearby because they went from the yacht to right. cruising in, in uh, Thunderhawk. So it's like he just completely had a – I am truly going on a vacation. Screw the team. <laughs> vacation. <laughs> um, Did he
1: bring his laptop? Yeah. The, no. <laughs> so,
0: but, you know, I guess that's where I got a little confused about it or or perplexed really. Yeah. That, you know he's not prepared but i know it's probably part of the drama and that's what leads us to where we are um and just before the uh, we we conclude here more darts hit the plane with t-bob saying go away we gave it the office the natives end up shoving the jet over the cliff and that's where we get our illustrious commercial break Whoa!
1: And it was good. I mean, I didn't totally buy into them being able to push it off the cliff, just to where it was positioned, you know. If it was, like, teetering,
0: maybe. uh,
1: I could see them kind of pushing it over. It would have made more sense if, you know, they had tried to exit the plane – Uh, before it goes over the cliff and then the natives are there shooting darts at them and they have to stay inside or something like that. Right. Um, I thought that would have worked out a little bit better, but I don't know. I enjoyed pretty much except for T-Bob's jokes, uh, starting to wear on me. (laughs) Yeah. Um, seemed like every time he was talking was just a joke or a pun and he really had nothing else to say, but obviously I love that. We're getting the backstory, uh, And like you, I liked that the substance was actually more natural than something that was just invented or or whatever, uh, for obvious reasons, like you stated, which we'll talk about a little bit at the end of the show. But um, I liked it that Venom's, you know, they've got a more practical scheme. They're using their vehicles and technology and influence, essentially, to get some inside information and uh, steal some valuables for uh, some quick funding, but one thing that kind of bothered me, uh, well, I'll save that for the end just to, I guess it was more of a tick. It it wouldn't really take too much from the episode from me, but, um, overall I would only knock it down maybe a half a point. We start at five. I'm, I'm probably around a four and a half so far, just mainly for the overkill on T-Bob's jokes. (laughs) But uh, what did you think so far?
0: Well, I'm like you. I'm really – I actually like the origin story. Most of you know if I don't repeat it enough already. But I like the origin. I like, like you said, the natural substance or the natural rock that's there. We use something similarly minded in our script. So I'm like, this is awesome. This is like the connection point, at least for us. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't even intended that way. Right. It just worked out. Otherwise, I love the heckling Back and forth with Vanessa and Rax. That was just hilarious. That was awesome to see that. You know, I also like that backseat option to, for Vanessa to shove them in the back. <laughs> I actually thought they were going to show the ejector seat when she pushed the switch. Yeah. I thought we'd see the ejector seat.
1: That would be cool. That would be cool to have Rax in the passenger seat and eject him the heck out of there. Uh, I don't know if that's going to happen at all, you know, throughout the rest of the series if we'll get to see, because Manta pretty much is in all the way through the racing episodes from my you know just looking through footage and stuff so i guess it's still possible
0: but i enjoyed the drama and i really enjoyed uh, like i said the the establishing storyline what i wasn't fond of is this human another human trait of t-ball the tickling i wasn't the jokes oddly enough weren't bugging me this episode like usual. It was more the tickling junk this, yeah. that, that got to me, but I would, um, I'd rate it like a 4.8 and that's because of the tickling. So I'm, I, you know, I'm more optimistic anyway, but uh, I, <laughs> I, I like the realist. Yes. <laughs> yes, you are. Which is funny because I'm more the realist when it comes to uh, real life, <laughs> I else. suppose.
1: Yeah. Uh, it is kind of a role reversal but it is. you caught something too that I wanted to mention. I didn't even notice at the beginning of the episode that the statue only had the one glimmering eye yeah. until the very end of the episode, which we'll get to obviously when they, he's got both of them back there. But I was like, I, I had to go back. And I was like, Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. Now I get that. Oh.
0: Yeah. It makes more sense.
1: Yeah. And there was something else that kind of threw me off too, which i uh, We'll get to in the second part but anyway um let's go ahead and get back into the episode we fade up with the jet on its side now and it's stuck in this large tree matt opens the side door and he climbs out and he kind of surveys the surroundings there
0: as usual we're out on a limb come on
1: scott says that he has a compass while t bob cracks about Finding a swimming pool or something, and he slips on the side of the fuselage, and then he just splashes into a nearby stream. So he found his swimming pool there pretty quickly. Yeah. Uh, the natives are—they're still up on the uh, cliffside above them, shouting. Suddenly, an explosion happens behind them with Switchblade appearing, and he starts shooting lasers at them.
0: Never seen anything like that. I bet. I got their attention. Now move
1: in. Piranha jumps onto the scene with Vanessa riding in the sidecar. Rax kind of mocks the natives there as they are scattering. One of the tribal leaders instructs the men to attack using their blow darts. And as Piranha makes another pass on them, Rax gets shot in the shoulder and states that they must be sleep darts as he kind of like falls over forward onto the controls. Vanessa looks ahead now and she sees the cliff and she stands up and grabs the handbrake and applies it. And she stops piranha just before they go over the cliff. And she says,
0: just like Rex, he falls asleep and I wind up with a nightmare. (laughs)
1: That was good. That whole scene was, was fun. Uh, not that they almost died, but anyway, you get me. Um, Switchblade now descends on the natives and Mayhem opens up the cockpit wearing a mask like a tribal mask and states, he's their fire god. I was rolling my eyes at this whole thing. I'm not sure. I, I, I understand <laughs> that he was trying to essentially recruit these natives to you know, help them, but um, I, I don't know. That was just kind of weird for me. The natives run away and he orders Vanessa, with Rax now sleeping in the sidecar, to get going. Um, and then overhead, uh, we see the transport
0: plane now. Yee-hoo! New Guinea's coming up round the bay! Hey, we're finally getting a stronger reading on the emergency transmitter beacon. By Jove, you're right. It was fortunate we could leave as soon as we received the transmission at headquarters.
1: Now, this was a little too quick for my liking you know but again we don't know how fast the transport plane could fly but it just seemed like uh it only been minutes that right had been stranded they're in the jungle and here comes the transport plane all the way from the u.s to new guinea so
0: well this this mega huge aircraft that hauls all their vehicles can hover like a harrier jump jet so it must have like turbo boost warp speed built into it somewhere.
1: (laughs) Right, right. And then uh, Brad chimes in again that he hopes they can get them in time. And I was like, in time for what? How do you know what's going on down there? If you just... (laughs) Unless Matt did, you know, use the laptop and we just missed that whole scene where he explained to them what was going on and to get in the transport plane and get there, you know. but Anyway... After this, we are back in the jungle with Matt, Scott, and T-Bob now running from the natives.
0: Right. But they're only, not just the natives, but their spears and darts are also, like, shooting past them. Right. And Switchblade and and the laser blaster also just, they're just literally just being bombarded. There's the river. we got to get to the other side. Just before Scott jumps in, Matt notices a crocodile in the water. Yet a dart flies by. So Matt then looks at T-Bob, and then we take a glimpse of uh, Vanessa saying, We've got them trapped! Come on! Uh We now flip back to Mask, where we see that T-Bob is now a suspension bridge. So (laughs) he's And and legs, I think, if I remember (laughs) right. As Matt climbs on with Scott on his back, He says, good old T-Bob. Then the insect resurfaces, and T-Bob announces that he has a terrible itch. Now it's an itch. It causes Matt to lose his balance and tumble into the river. As the croc gets closer, Scott yells, help, and T-Bob shoves his foot into the croc's mouth. Pretty fancy footwork, T-Bob. Oh, it's a snap. That was actually pretty good.
1: Way to go, T. Bob. Yeah, I was <laughs> glad to see he showed some bravery there.
0: <laughs> you know, he is the scariest chicken of them all. But when when Scott is in true trouble, yeah, dude, oh, yeah, he, he flips a switch, literally, and he, boom, yeah, he's true. It's you true. You get that. You get that evil death stare that he does every now and then, or that uh, that one power thing that they used for like right. uh, the kid move. So he does it.
1: (laughs) Yeah, he does. I don't think he gets way enough credit, even with the team in the show for his contribution, because all those (laughs) crazy jokes and, you know, getting into trouble and everything that he does just way overshadows what he can actually do and actually has done for Scott and the team. So I was happy to see him, you know, take one for the team here. (laughs) Right.
0: We then see the mask plane appear and it hovers as the team analyzes the situation. Alex comments that the infrared scanner has picked up Matt's footprints. Then they go after them. We then see the trackers outside a structure which looks like the structure from the tail that we see the flashback of. However, Matt does not make the connection here. Huh? Dad! It's a dad! Let's go back. They're then cornered where the natives continue to press towards them before they lean against the wall and the wall, uh, and they fall through that wall like like a hidden kind of wall.
1: Yeah, it's like a secret passage or whatever through this retaining wall.
0: Right. T-Bob wonders where they are with Scott suggesting it looks like a hotel. More Aborigines leap in front of them, startling them with venom outside. Miles asks for confirmation that instructs them to wait before he tells, uh, tells them to attack. Rax continues to sleep through the chance while Miles, uh, Miles is slapping the sidecar windshield, trying to wake him up. Yeah, I thought that, that was actually hilarious.
1: That was good. What? They needed a little bit louder sound effect there but
0: yeah he
1: got the gist of it that <laughs> he's trying to wake him up
0: it actually reminded me of Knight Rider the pilot where uh, David or Michael Knight passes out uh, and they're on the highway and the cop car is chasing him and and uh, he's going through this down a hill making the curves and the cops are banging on the window And they're commenting, he must be drunk, or he's dead, or if he's not dead, he will be.
1: Yeah, I remember that.
0: So uh, I I saw that flashback when I was doing this episode.
1: So we're now inside this wall, and Matt and Scott and T-Bob are now tied up to these wooden poles.
0: Please don't eat us. Oh, we're junk food.
1: I don't think they're headhunters, T-Bob. I think I know now where we are. The bug uh, pestering T-Bob crawls out again, causing T-Bob to shake, and he actually pulls this wooden stake from the ground and stumbles around with it. That kind of reminded me of, uh, uh, if, <laughs> if you watch Pirates of the Caribbean, I think it's the second one where Jack Sparrow is tied to a pole, and he gets loose, and he's got all these uh, fruits and stuff that are stuck on this like skewer, and he wa- he's walking around with it, and Anyway, that's what that moment kind of led me to. But um, this whole distraction now with T-Bob breaking loose is enough for Matt to free himself from the ropes. I like that he said, now, like, you know, they had this plan going along to escape. Well, Scott just stood there and he had to run over and untie him. So I don't know. I don't know why he needed that. But anyway, um, he unties Scott and then he grabs T-Bob still on the pole. And they're making a run for this building or temple. The trio runs up the steps and stop to look inside. Now we see that T-Bob lost the pole somewhere. I, that kinda, I don't know if that was a mistake or... Uh, anyway, uh, yeah. he's he's off the pole now. So they're just looking inside. And the ceremony is taking place. Uh, the natives look up as the trio is kind of grabbed from behind now. The chief sees Matt. He calls out a command... And they are essentially released. And Matt reaches into his pocket now, and he uncovers the crystal. And he holds it up in his hand.
0: The crystal! I'm returning this to you. You! Andrew! I am his son. My father
1: has left us. The chief says that he was a good man and that many seasons ago he saved his life. So we now know that he's, this is actually Orago. He asked Matt if he used the crystal for good and Matt says of course. So uh, I uh you know, leading up to this point, I was a little bit confused by essentially there were good natives and there were bad natives. And I never made that connection really until uh, they got inside and were kind of tied up with the poles there. And then I saw that their skirts or whatever (laughs) were different on the outside. I think they were green. Right. The ones on the inside were kind of tan. I didn't make that connection until they were on the inside. And I was like, well, you know, what is this one big tribe doing? And then, oh, wait, there's two different, you know, tribes or whatever. Uh, on the scene. Did you have that trouble or did you see the difference?
0: I initially had the trouble uh, Uh because I thought it was like the same tribe, if you will, uh, kind of doing the same thing. But as it went on, like you, I started discovering that was like a completely separate tribe Mm -hmm. that somehow was, uh, I'll use the term, term contracted, but obviously not to go after mask and to be basically the venom minions, if you will, uh, for that task or for their bidding.
1: Right. So now um, we get another tribesman enter and he says something to Arago and Matt then mentions that his enemies are after him and he needs his help. Well, mayhem, he's now using his laser on switchblade, the front to try to penetrate the outer gate and the other natives enter and they try to enter the temple, which Matt and the other tribe is, are kind of barricaded inside now. Uh, Back outside, we see Rax. He's kind of hanging around there, and he sees the transport plane fly overhead. What?
0: Just in the nick of time.
1: And we see the rear... I don't know if there's a rear doors or if there's another side door... On the no, it, was a,
0: it was a it was a side compartment that okay. I saw. But just before that, what I liked is, Rax like seems to be he has a like shocked look. and he, and he he's shouting, "What?
1: <laughs> yeah, that was that was good that he's kind of startled. Yeah, what the heck's Mask doing here? Um." Anyway, the doors open on the side of the transport plane, and then Rhino lowers its stack guns and fires down towards the natives, the bad natives, I'll say. And Dusty shouts, in the nick of time, (laughs) as as the natives kind of scatter. And Matt then says, perfect timing, and that they are saved. And now the transport plane lands, and we see Rhino and Gator and Condor exit with Alex Given the old tally ho, let's blow them down. Uh, and we get this nice wide shot of the vehicles coming on scene. Mask!
0: Stop them! I'll show a pretty face. Hocus Pocus is on. Go from here.
1: Shadow up!
0: Brad uses the Hocus Pocus mask to display a large god on the fence which spooks the natives and chases them away. Gator chases Rax, shooting him in the butt, which ejects him off of Piranha. Wow, what a coincidence there. <laughs> and, uh, and into the jungle where a wild boar chases him while his pants are smoldering, which I thought was hilarious. <laughs> Well, any other
1: cartoon, that would have been totally ridiculous. But, you know, knowing what Rax has gone through up to this point, <laughs> yes. this is like, you know, this happens every episode with something crazy like well, this. This is just
0: a normal day for Rax.
1: Exactly.
0: <laughs> with a few Venom natives uh, still trying to knock down the door, Condor flies up and blasts away, spooking them. Switchblade transforms with T Bob sound effects. If, I don't know if you caught that, but it's T Bob sound effects, oh, not Switchblades. Really? Uh, but he transforms into jet mode as the bad guys all flee. Inside, Hirago announces that the crystal has been returned while Scott com- comments that everything turned out all right to T Bob. The insect attacks T-Bob once again. (laughs) And that leads us to our infamous PSA.
1: Right. And we fade right back up and it's Matt and Arago Scott and T-Bob. And they're walking along this outer wall of the village there. Scott notices some strawberries growing on the wall there. And as he reaches for one, Aragu puts his hand out in front, stopping him.
0: I think what Aragu trying to say is those berries are poisonous. But they look so pretty. Maybe, but they can give you a pretty good stomach ache,
1: or worse. So Scott says that's good advice in any language as they all oh, have a good chuckle again and that was all for our psa. So, we are at the end of the episode. Give us your uh your rating and and your thoughts, sir.
0: I really enjoyed the um psa. It connected with the story finally. Yeah, I do uh, like
1: those always earn a little bit extra for me, even if right. they are cheesy. <laughs>
0: Uh, the other one was a sentimental tie. I used to pick wild strawberries, believe it or not, back in the day. But, but my grandmother's—they actually had wild strawberries there, so I do remember that. But anyway, uh, back at uh, the rating, I really liked the action, especially towards the latter half when we see the the transport plane come on the scene, Rhino uh, using the the gun stacks. I really enjoyed this whole the whole action. It really, to me, it was a very suspenseful episode as well. Mm-hmm. Um. Although T-Bob can be tickled and itched now, as it seems, um, I'll be honest. It really paled in comparison with how the insect ended up being kind of a part of the drama, as we see him when T-Bob's kind of the makeshift suspension bridge. It attacks him and lets adds drama. You know, it ends up yeah. tossing Matt overboard, uh, so to speak. But yeah, but it's, it's
1: actually the reason why. The plane was sabotaged too, or, well, That's not it. sabotaged, but, you know, ripping the cords from the, the plane and right. caused it to crash.
0: Right. I, I really liked, uh, even the PSA connected well, like I just highlighted. I thought I had a lot of, to me, I had a lot of high energy throughout. Uh, even at the beginning, even though it probably seemed like an av- average day in the Mask headquarters lab, I guess I was more pumped because I got to see where Mask got their powers first. How they acquired it. So to me it was a completely high energy episode. The only thing I found ticks with, I addressed earlier with the tickling and itching of T-Bob, the transforming sound of Switchblade. Because it was T-Bob's sound effect. Yeah,
1: I didn't notice that.
0: Other than that, I um, when we do our rundown, I think this might come out to be the one that surfaces to the top. That this was my top episode for the season. So, with that said, I think you know that I've already rated it as a five. <laughs> now we turn to the other side of the coin, Jason and his rating. <laughs> what will it be oh. today? Should we, we? We should literally have like a like a betting contest right now. How low will Jason go this week? No, just
1: no I it, I wanted it to be uh a high-ranking episode just because we were getting some source material you know for the first time and i tried to maintain my uh (laughs) my level of of excitement kind of like you know you did but um i was teetering really between a four and a four and a half and i i finally landed on four like you said there were several dramatic moments besides just the commercial break drama you know the jet crash the the whole chase through the jungle and being tied up and, you know, et cetera, there was plenty of times where, you know, he, there was actually some good suspense. Then it lasted throughout the episode. So that was good. Maybe it was poor planning on Matt's part. Like you said that <laughs> caused all of that, but um, I didn't really think about that. I just thought that was good. Uh, like I said before, I was glad to see T-Bob show some bravery there against the crocodile. And, just the little detail of the transport plane where you actually saw that there was hovering engines down and then you're kind of looking up at the transport plane there at that one point, the hovering engines stop and then they, the regular engines kind of kick in from behind to send it mm-hmm. forward. I just like that little detail knowing that it can hover. So that was good. Um, and then obviously the good, the tie in there with the, the PSA, That's always, I always enjoy that as well.
0: And we got to learn more about that transport plane. Now there's a a side compartment now to it that we did not know it existed.
1: Yeah. And I kind of thought I was trying to think back. I think it was the um, golden goddess episode where the transport plane shows up and Alex uses Rhino's stack guns to shoot at those elephants that were coming after Scott and T-Bob when they were backed in a corner and he shoots the holes in the ground, and the elephants get stuck so they can get out of there. Um, I want to say that that might have been that same compartment there and not necessarily the rear where they where they come out.
0: But Was it? Uh, because I thought he did that while he was parachuting. Uh, oh, you might be right. Yeah. I thought, I yeah, I thought I was, he was parachuting it out of uh, the transport plane. Could be, and-
1: could be. I'll have to go back and revisit that. But anyway, yeah. It's, I'm always good when they – add in little details like that the bad stuff obviously t bob's jokes wore on me and even matt and scott got into action a couple times there mainly matt really with the we're out on a limb here and you know stuff like that that i was just rubbing my eyes and then i talked about i didn't notice until the end there that, that there was good natives and bad natives that were you know helping them out once they figured out who they were and then The other ones that were just there to, you know, push their plane over the cliff or whatever and try to help Venom that they just didn't wasn't well laid out for me to to catch that earlier in the episode. Just a couple ticks was, you know, the short time that the transport plane essentially arrived on the scene. And then what kind of bugged me a little bit earlier in the episode was how does Mayhem know that this gem or crystal or whatever he was after was worth a fortune if they really didn't know what it was for sure. You know, they were just taking a chance because this guy at the airport told him that it was supposed to be valuable, but he didn't, you know, he didn't tell them what kind it was or anything. So, you know, it it makes you wonder how Venom charges their masks or how they get their power. Right. They, you know, if they don't have this crystal or if they somehow stole the technology or whatever from it. But anyway, that was just something I had thought about earlier for his motivation to go after this plane and, you know, essentially gather all the resources to get this one gem that they didn't know a whole heck of a lot of, about. Uh, what about the uh, script similarities? We We talked about it earlier. Do you want to talk a little bit more about the crystal?
0: Uh, really the, like we said, the the crystals, what we saw, it is a natural mineral or substance that, that they found for our script. We actually use a a meteorite that is actually the, the power source for the masks. Uh, but we use it as a, what basically adding certain things to it, elements or electric or substances makes the powers work the way they do. Right. So I can't remember the formula that we did, but I think the intro to it was that the scenario that we used, they it was discovered in a field, farmer's field. And the guy <laughs> yes. placed it on – the guy placed his sunglasses on the meteor. I don't think it was a combination. I think just placing it there yeah, turned it into it like was. an X-ray type vision uh, device. <laughs> right. And And, yes, you can take that – how it sounds and how we use the use it for the plot and we end up arresting the guy anyway, the whoever uses yeah. that sunglasses. But it that's where it leads to be the element that's so coveted in the movie. Uh, yeah. In fact, uh there's only like this one certain meteorite that struck the earth. There was only I think I think we said three or four locations that it broke up.
1: Fragments, yeah. And right. that's part of the plot too where there's essentially a race to find these other fragments, essentially to to get those out of uh, Venom's hands. Once they learn about it, and once they actually penetrate the the government or the uh, the agency there to to steal Switchblade and, and learn about it. So yeah, that was part of it, and I, I was really happy that <laughs> that was. Like you said, with the natural elements was kind of incorporated now into the cartoon without we really knowing this was going to happen. So
0: it's right. what and, we came up I, with. So. We actually got the meteorite idea, I think, from the Deathstone, the, the original, the pilot for Mask. But we didn't name it that. Um, right. Forgive me, I don't even remember what we named it. I should know. I actually looked at it relatively recently, yeah. about a year ago, but I couldn't remember the, what we named um, it.
1: I, I think we did call it something – the substance. So.
0: Oh, did we call it the? Uh, I was trying to play on our, one of our acronyms from, our high school days.
1: Yeah, 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 I can't yeah. yeah. How I worded
0: it though. I can't
1: remember the name of it, but yeah. So anyway, so there's a little uh, reveal teaser from our uh, movie script that it's the substance that controls the masks is more natural, like it, like it happened in this episode. Uh, so maybe it was our subconscious that we'd watched this episode 30 years prior and <laughs> kicked in. Not really. <laughs> well, anyway, let's get to the poll results and the comments. I know we got several. The poll results.
0: Uh, There's um, 12 votes, but I don't know how they – my computer screws up every time I want to look at the results. I add, add an extra vote. Oh, really?
1: <laughs> well, the uh, votes were split uh, between fives and fours six for five and six for four. So the voters were definitely along our take of this episode and, and thought it was really good and essentially probably enjoyed the, <laughs> the extra or the, uh, the inside track to how the masks and, and everything worked. So uh, we had several comments. Um, I didn't uh, translate the, the small right. one here for Sani.
0: I have it, okay, and it's not all. It was was um, forgive me if it's the wrong. It's it is in Portuguese, but it says uh, the true design of mask. I'm very homesick. Uh, okay, so
1: we yeah we have trouble with the translation. So
0: just forgive, forgive us for incorrect.
1: We've got another one that I've translated in Italian later, but. Uh, Underneath that, we have Eric from BoulderHill.net. This is an interesting episode. I really like it, despite how annoying T-Bob is. The cockroach gag stopped being funny after about five seconds. That was true. Mm -hmm. I always appreciate that it contains some origin info about Mask, even if it does contradict the comic book origin. Not much else to say, though. Sorry, guys. Well, that's enough. Uh, (laughs) Enough for me. Um, Thanks for chiming in about that.
0: Uh, then we have one from Shirley Burton. Mm-hmm. Uh, she pretty, pretty much classifies it in three easy steps. The best part, knowing some origins. Worst part, the T-Bob bug. Funniest part, Rax falls asleep at the wheel. <laughs> and that really sums it up, really. Yes.
1: <laughs> Thank you for that comment, Shirley. And then Justin, uh, I remember this episode, a good one. Could have used more vehicles and agents on both sides, but good. Yeah. Yeah, I did. I mean, at the end there, I guess it would've been more of a tick for me, but um you know, we brought in Rhino, Condor, and Gator. We used Rhino from the air, but we had nothing on the ground from him or Gator. Didn't see Gator once. So yeah. um I it would have been nice to have them just a couple quick scenes of uh uh Gator Shooting at the natives and, uh, well, I, I take that back. No, Gator shot Brax in the butt. Yeah. Right? Okay. So he did show up, but we had Not much from, from Condor. Nothing from Rhino, and we had one.
0: Well, we had Rhino well, shooting from the plane. That was it.
1: Yeah, nothing on the ground. And then we had one mask use, and that was h-
0: hocus pocus
1: the whole episode, right? Yeah. So. Yeah, I I, you know, I understand what Justin's saying there. It's I like the lengthier battles. We haven't mm-hmm. had one in a while with both teams where you get a lot of mask use and a lot of vehicle back and forth, and it was kind of rushed there at the end. But they were essentially just cleaning house and trying to get Matt the heck out of there. So it wasn't really set up to be a, a big battle at the end. So I kind of understand that. But right. Anyway. On to Eric from uh, Cartoonopolis.
0: Right, he writes, I really wanted to give this episode a five since it shed some light on the origins of Mask and has some great scenes, but a lot of things about it were confusing as well. Why were the natives in the old photo colored blue? How did Venom know about Tracker's trip and the gem? The only way Mayhem would know about the crystal is if he and Tracker worked on the design of the mask together But this is backstory, though prevalent in the mini comics, but never has never been confirmed as canon in the cartoon. Right. Switchblade is seen on the ground in jet mode. How is this possible? And how will mayhem take off without causing major damage to the fuselage? Good point. Uh, Why does Rax freak out and try to wrestle Mantis' controls away from Vanessa? Because he's a 15-year-old kid? (laughs) Right. Uh, That one I can answer. Seriously, no good can come from this. The darts fired at the plane actually penetrate the metal and stay in. Are the natives using armor-piercing darts? (laughs) Maybe they have more technology than we think of. How is it possible that the canopy on switchblade is able to open with the rotor spinning? Wouldn't this smash the canopy to bits?
1: Yeah, I I kind of noticed that when he – essentially he's talking about when he – when Mayhem puts that ridiculous mask on and tries to tell the natives what to do.
0: Right. Yes, it would hit the blades unless, it, right. unless it's tall or something. Alex shouts, mow them down. Really? Is he actually giving the rest of masked team orders to shoot to kill? <laughs> uh, I thought
1: he said uh, – well, I can't remember what I put in my notes. Blow him down, I think is what I said. Oh. I don't know. I'll have to go back and look. Maybe it is mow him down.
0: I think I wrote mow him down in my... Did you?
1: Okay. Well, Well, maybe I just didn't hear that right.
0: Venom, as always, retreats much too early. Mayhem doesn't even bother to put up any kind of fight in the air. That is true. Okay, enough of the bad. This episode has some outstanding animation. It was a treat to watch. I love how... Venom was portrayed in the beginning as an enemy spy network, showing Rax in a dark back room and Vanessa disguised as an airplane tech. The part where Rax falls asleep is hilarious, and I love how Mayhem wakes him up. I also loved how Mayhem strong-armed the natives into working as his own personal army. It's a shame, though, they gave up so easily. Poor Rax gets blasted, but in the most hilarious way possible. Also, Matt's father's name, being Andrew, was a nice nod to the mini comics. It was hard to rate this episode below a four, so that's what I gave it. Nicely done. Uh,
1: yeah, good comments there, Eric. Right. He, he maybe went a little too far into the uh, the details there, probably farther than I would. But uh, I did also notice that he called him Andrew, which you know, it, the the mini comics said that uh, it was Matt's Brother Andy, that was the one that was killed in the fire, and uh, when Mayhem took off with the masks, half the masks. But yeah, I thought that was cool that they named him uh, Andrew.
0: Right? Did you say you translated uh, the last one, Curly's Wife?
1: Yeah, I'll go ahead and, and tackle that, and I'll leave Anna for you. Um, now, I wanted to. I also wanted to say that I uh, had a little back and forth with. Uh, it's a girl that goes by Curly's Wife 3. She emailed me actually after the newsletter came out and she's from Italy and uh, really wanted to to join us for the, the mask day chat but it was like 3 in the morning over there or something uh-huh. when we started but she has posted over to our, I believe it was posted to our Facebook page she put this little jib jab uh, video together with like uh, the mask people. She put like the mask people's heads on these people dancing around to cool in the gang. Nice. <laughs> it was pretty funny actually. And then she also wrote, you know, we we have a couple of our script excerpts on the um, fan fiction. I think it's fanfiction.net site. And she actually wrote a fan fiction about mask I believe it's in Italian, so you'd have to translate it if you're, you know, English like we are. But she actually wrote one of those for Mass Day as well. So I was glad to see that she uh, also chimed in about the episode. And you'll have to forgive me because we're going through Google's translator here. So she essentially says the episode was fantastic, one of her favorites. Uh, it was politically incorrect the way that. Well, I, um, I can't even understand what the translator's saying here, but um, essentially about the half-naked savages and the sounds that they make, and the dancing around the fire, and the stuff that compared to what she says, Neanderthal brains. <laughs> so, yeah, we've talked about that, and this, you know, 30 years ago, it was entirely different the way different cultures and stuff were portrayed on these cartoons. So. Right. you just kind of kind of live with it now but uh, uh she likes the mythology of mask for many reasons of course the source is this mysterious supernatural or otherwise powers of for the masks uh, it turns out that Matt apart from his mustache was <laughs> cloned from his father uh, and it turns out ants love the munch on transistors <laughs> <This> is what <laughs> the the translation came through as and finally it turns out Rax always falls asleep at the climax he says it turns out that Trekker, given a little luck with his transport flying, should go around at most by bus. <laughs> so uh, I don't I guess she was harping on Matt for his flying skills there especially love the design and the animation was really detailed. She says, look at the various expressions of Vanessa while she realizes that she's about to fall into the ravine. I did notice that. They did that pretty well. And she likes the idea of the flashbacks and maybe that there'll be more. So uh, I'm definitely with her in that. I hope there are more flashbacks Yes. Uh, upcoming. And then she did write in English... Another final thought here at the end. Uh, The well-intentioned Americans went to help some savages, but their jet crashed in the jungle and they captured by savages that they wanted to help. Maybe Eli Roth was inspired by this episode for The Green Inferno. Even the title is similar. Fortunately, however, the the masked savages are not cannibals. I've never seen The Green Inferno, so she made a connection there. It sounded like the... This episode was close to this uh, movie. Right. So, and then we're on to our buddy, Anna.
0: Right. She says that this is a great episode, one of my favorites in the series. It's very entertaining. At the same time, as it provides us with some interesting information about the origins of Matt, which is rare in the series. I love many of its scenes and lines. For instance, Vanessa's message over Matt's radio when she welcomes him to Venom Airlines. When Vanessa saves her and Rax from falling down the cliff. When Mayhem wakes Rax up from his sleep and when Matt, Scott, and T-Bob run while they're being chased by both the natives and Venom. I also love the background story with Matt's father, Andrew. It's an episode that is hard not to like. And I suppose it's a favorite among all Mask fans. Perhaps you should have used some of its information in your script. I think I remember you. You said you hadn't, but I'm not sure if I remember it correctly. Well, Anna, you just got your answer if you listened to our episode.
1: Yeah, yeah. It it was unintentional because, yes. like you um, know, like we said, we had the first like 35 episodes on that DVD set that was our base for you know reviewing and for writing the script. Gosh. Eight years ago now was when we yeah. started in 2007, and we finished around 2010. But of course now there's uh, the awesome person that's uploaded the whole series onto YouTube, which I go to regularly. So that's uh, really handy when trying to reference something. And I'm I'm just yeah I'm happy that we kind of made this connection on a on a good episode like this. So right. But anyway, I think that's about going to do it, partner. Uh, that was our last comment. We appreciate, of course, everybody commenting. And I know it's been a while since we initially put this episode out there to review. It took us a while to do the podcast, but we appreciate everybody sticking around for that. And uh, we got one more episode in this season, what we're calling Episodes 31 to 40. And that is The Eyes of the Crystal Skull. And the plot on this one is Venom's leader, Miles Mayhem, uses an ancient crystal skull, which allows X-ray vision to see through Matt Tracker's mask and discover his true identity. Mayhem then kidnaps his son, Scott Tracker for ransom. So that should be uh, a very interesting episode that Venom finally can uh, uh, call the masked agents by name. Right. (laughs) As you know, we've, going through these episodes, I've noticed the the mask agents know who the Venom agents are, and they call them by name, but it's always mask when Venom talks. Mask is, oh, it's not a tracker, you know, like we use in our script. They know each other, and Mayhem will, you know, call them damn you tracker, or whatever, you know. right. (laughs) It's just, yeah, so this ought to be a fun episode to end this season of, and then you know, right after that, we'll jump into our our ten episode review that'll wrap up uh, this section and do our little comprehensive review of the episodes. And those have always been very uh, fun podcasts, um, just because we get to choose the best and worst moments, and uh, then we get to compare to the other ten episode seasons that we've gone through. So right. I always look forward to these and. I think I might try to come up with uh, a a couple of polls for the listeners to do. Because I usually, you know, here's the 10 episodes and vote for your favorites in this, you know, stretch. Um, I might not have too many in this stretch. (laughs) We'll see Uh, once I do the the stats and bring those up. But uh, I might try to come up with some other ones, uh, best moments, worst moments kind of polls and stuff. So. Those are always fun. So I'm glad we're getting close, partner, and um, we don't have uh, about a couple months left this year. I I haven't checked to see how uh, close we are to our initial schedule that we came up with the beginning of the year. I know we, I think we were trying to get through episode 50, and that was before we kind of came up with this mass cast chat idea. So we've been right. I think we're on the sixth one was the last one. So six of the podcasts that we probably intended to be episode reviews have been those chats. But I do think that we've essentially averaged about two a month, two or three, which is what we were trying to aim for since right. we have been uh, kind of off schedule there for a while. but
0: Yeah, last year we were uh, nearly void. <laughs> yeah, I uh, mean... Just with schedules and different scenarios and stuff that came up up in our personal lives, so
1: right we've got out of the habit, but we're back in it, and I'm looking forward to getting into forty one through fifty and seeing some new agents
0: yes i'm I'm actually very eager to see what lies ahead, like you said, with the new agents new vehicles. I
1: know there's at least two new ones in this stretch, just from going through the videos, you know, when I did the Thunderhawk tribute, but I'm I'm really looking forward to seeing some new people.
0: Yeah, me too. This has been a great time. And uh, I love going through these episodes. It it really rekindles uh, my love for the, for the show. It also helps with uh, the excitement that we've had recently, obviously getting to physically meet Doug Stone. And, And now I see the person. Even though I see a picture of Sharon mm-hmm. Noble and uh, Doug and um, wow, I can't think of his name now. I just added him to my um, liked his page or whatever. One of the uh, mask people. Yeah, um, it was okay. his. It was it was Doug's roommate. He even said it. My, my, my oh, name. Mark. Yeah, Mark. Mark Halloran. So, uh, just seeing their picture, you know, I I like to kind of now equate. Them trying to do the impression—I'm sure I can't relive it—but seeing Doug when he's doing Dusty, how animated he was, you know—it's yeah. hilarious now to see that. So I, I like seeing, trying to—I guess—imagine how they would have been doing it in the studio yeah. thirty years ago. But uh, it's really cool. But yeah, this is awesome. I don't think we're going to get to fifty, but I think we're going to get pretty close. We'll see.
1: We'll see. I if we get the forty five, I think I'd be happy at this point because yeah. we still got uh, one more to do in October. Um, I'm going to be doing some traveling again. Probably end of the month. Maybe we'll get another one in before then, and try to get a couple in. Even though you know the holidays are always hit and miss with uh, family in town and such. But we'll see. We'll see how far we can get into the into the forty one to fifty
0: well sounds like a plan as uh, Hannibal would say <laughs> guess that does it for us we want to thank you all again for being faithful and listening and uh, watching now I keep forgetting that we're being watched even though I see the camera right in front of me I still forget that in the line I still always feel like somebody's watching me <laughs> Oh, and on that, it be
1: Halloween. That's one of my favorites for Halloween. Yeah. Even yeah. though it's not an intentional Halloween song.
0: No, it just kind of <laughs> made its way there. Thank you, Rockwell. <laughs> uh, but as uh, Jason serenades us out on the outtake here, uh, I'm going to say thank you once again for being great listeners. Thank you for celebrating. Mask at 30. Continue the celebrations like I posted. You know, just because the day has passed doesn't mean the year has passed. So, it's thank true. you once again. Uh, and uh, on behalf of Jason, I am Wyatt. And thanks for watching and listening. Mask Cat!
1: Mask
0: at- What the?